Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bruise Banana FC podcast. My name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at JFishAFC, and football can be so cruel. Arsenal fans have spent the last six months you know, talking about how the season has been incredible, and it really has been one that, that's reinvigorated my love for Arsenal, and everybody was dreaming that there was a chance for a storybook ending with us winning an unlikely Premier League title up against this, you know, gargantuan side in, in Manchester City led by a, a really just a robot a, a man created in a lab in Erling Holland but you know football doesn't often have storybook endings and last night we were really all reminded of that last night Manchester City reminded Arsenal and the rest of the footballing world that they're the best team in the world best team in Europe and the best team in the Premier League and even after being pushed on you know for the entire season they had that extra gear left for the tail end, and, and it was pretty evident that Arsenal kind of ran out of gas. I think maybe if this fixture had been at the beginning of the season, when Arsenal were flying, when we had fresh legs, we were kind of clicking and running on all cylinders, maybe there would have been a different outcome, but it wasn't. It was a moment that the world was watching, and Arsenal's fans and, and kind of the footballing world who go who disapprove of how Manchester City got to where they were there everybody's hopes were kind of at the maximum last night like maybe this is finally arsenal's time and, and kind of we were left reminded how far we still have to go but you know the season's not over maybe this title dream is dead but you know it wasn't a complete waste of a season and there's you know more football to be played and it is kind of ironic that the night that we finally clinched champions league for the first time in a long time is also the night that our title dreams died with me today to talk about this you know, kind of unfortunate ending to what could have been an incredible season, I guess, like I said, it, it was, has been an incredible season, is Luke. You can find on Twitter at Eccleskoon. Luke, how are you feeling? Well, you know, <laughs> I think yeah. I'm not, <laughs> somehow, right, I'm not quite Baku bad, um, but it does feel like we had like an opportunity to, to show a bit more and it's almost just a bit getting that I don't think we gave a fair representation of ourselves, which is maybe like the more getting part about it than, than just the result. Yeah, I definitely don't think, like you said, that that performance in that match was reflective of where we are as a team. I think, honestly, if you took that performance and you showed it to me and said, oh, was this an Arsenal City match three years ago? We're just like, yeah, probably, you know, there's no difference. It, it doesn't, didn't look any different on the pitch. And that's kind of a shame because we were talking all pre-match and, and kind of, I myself had kind of made peace that, you know, our city are very good. And everybody kind of knew in the back of our minds that city are probably going to end up winning it. Even back in February when you know, they finally went, you know, they went top based on goal difference after they beat us at the Emirates is like, this team is really good and it's going to take something really special and perfection out of Arsenal to kind of overcome that. And, you know, as much as we were hoping and dreaming, it was kind of everybody, you know, kind of knew like it is very unlikely. And it was just kind of a shame that in that moment when, you know, and I'm sure we're going to talk about some of the individuals that in that moment 
when it was like you could write yourself in Arsenal history with an incredible performance here. It kind of felt like the team weren't ready for that. And we talked all season about youth and how that was could have been on our side. And I definitely think that that's a conversation that you know we have. This team hasn't gone through these high, high, high pressure moments. Haven't experienced failure like this Manchester City team. They've lost in the semifinals of the Champions League, what, like three, four years in a row? And that does mold the team and mold the mentality. And I think that what we saw from Arsenal is we peaked as a a team in our performances. We peaked too early. And that's our Manchester City. Like we kind of were talking in February, like all those people, oh, are they, you know, worse off with Erling Holland? And is the City team, you know, the worst City team that we've seen in a long time? And, when the you know the the knockout rounds of the Champions League and kind of the business end of the season gets here, they just kind of turn on that little extra bit of professionalism, take it up that little extra level, and kind of show it's like settle down. We actually are good as fuck. Chill out, kind of thing. So also, you know, I need to introduce the third party of this group, and that is Ben. You can find on Twitter at Ben Browning Three. Ben, how are you feeling? Yeah, afternoon. Um... A lot like Luke, as I, as I said to you before, um, I think I said to you after, after the West Ham game, after the Southampton game, I felt like we lost the title at Anfield. So, you know, this was very much the 1% hope and like, you know, 99% prayer. Just like, I, I was actually watching, I was, as much as I was disappointed in how Arsenal played, I was in awe of just how good City were. City were as good as Arsenal were bad in that game and Arsenal were very bad. But, um, you know, City tactically were excellent. They found, maybe I'm guilty of not watching City as much as I maybe should, but they seemed to find whole new ways of playing that surprised me. Um, I think, to be honest, surprised uh, Arsenal and Mikel Arteta as well. So I think a lot of credit has to go to them, but it is absolutely gutting to be given what feels very much like a knockout punch at this stage. So I think obviously there's a lot that went on on the pitch in terms of tactics, like you said, Ben, but I wanted to start with you just kind of about the emotions around the event that like this was the culmination. It felt like of this entire season and kind of what we were building. And obviously it was not mathematically, but basically a winner takes all match. What would within the first five minutes, I think I messaged you guys in the group that it, it felt like we in the first five minutes, it was evident we weren't up for it. Did you kind of have that feeling like from the onset, like as the players were walking out, as everybody was warming up, did you kind of have a sense of that this could be really bad, I guess? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think I don't think you can say that until they took to the pitch, but those first five minutes, City flew out of the blocks. And, you know, the, the, the away side, the first thing you want to do is sort of take the crowd out of the equation and calm everything down didn't have a chance to do that. City flew out of the blocks. I thought maybe they should have had a penalty about four minutes in. Um, there was obviously a shout for handball on Rob Holding. So it felt like Arsenal never really got a chance to get a foot in the game. And then, you know, from there, it was just sort of dismantlement of one of the best sides in England this season. You know, we're top of the league, so probably the best side in England at the moment. Um and we were just taken apart by a side that had the experience, had the quality to punish us in key moments, and had the the manager to make the difference in when you know when it really mattered. So it was if it never felt 
going into it, like we, well, from my perspective, it never felt like we were guaranteed to lose. I thought we would lose, but I, you know, there was a chance we could pull something out of the bag. It was just the first five, ten minutes, as you say, it didn't look like we were up for it. We weren't winning duels, you know, we weren't keeping hold of the ball very well. Everything was sort of scrambled and panicky. And maybe the occasion did get to them. You know, we've been guilty of that in the past, but it just felt like we were taken apart by a better side on the night. Luke, let's start with you know, just the starting lineup. There's obviously a ton of talk. We talked on this podcast about what are some options for Mikel Arteta kind of switch up the tactics a little bit and either keep Rob Holding on or, you know, what could we do to, to replace Rob Holding? Were you shocked that we kind of, that Mikel Arteta not only went out with the same lineup as expected or as we had beforehand, but also was just, do you think it was like naive from the tactics and saying, you know, we're going to kind of try and match your press. We're going to go toe to toe and say, you know, our team is capable of exerting ourselves onto you and kind of matching your intensity and matching your pressing. And that kind of fed into why, you know, we didn't set up with a more defensive approach or anything. We just kind of went all into our pressing like we have been. So it's like, you know, credit to him for trusting the players and saying, you guys are good enough to to match City, but also a little bit of naivety saying maybe you should have had a little bit of more defensive solidity there. I mean, it's it's really tough because one of the big things in football and one of the big things in management is you really have to know when, when to stick and when to twist. And obviously it's so easy for us to be here the day after and say hindsight is 2020 and it just didn't go our way. And obviously on the, the evidence of last night's game, you say we have made a, a change. I do think that one of the really telling things was that in the last three games, we've shown a lot of weaknesses. We've shown a lot of chinks to our armor and in the, over the last like month, month and a half, the city have become arguably probably very like obviously arguably the informed team in the world playing in that kind of new system the the kind of like where they were playing the the free back with Rob Holden coming um into almost like a like a midfield role with Rodri but the, the very telling thing for me was yesterday we didn't change but they did they saw the weaknesses we've provided over the last few games and instead of saying we can continue doing what we do pep said we're going to change to exploit what they're showing they can't do. And I think that was the the thing that really kind of stuck home with me is that for all the the criticism Pev has had in the past of tinkering in big games, most of the time he gets it right. And yesterday, the changes he made sent us for a loop. And sometimes that happens, right? You can't always predict how a game's going to go. You can't always predict how a team's going to line up. There's been so many references of players saying that the information they get from Arteta is just so, so, so good. So it wasn't so much that we got rocked early. It's just the fact that we weren't able to react to it. And I think that's where the emotional side comes in, where, you know, as much as any manager will try and set their team up to be a good match for the team they're playing on the day, sometimes you have to make decisions in game, you have to adapt, you have to like problem solve in real time. So the, the fact that they over kind of overrun us in the first five minutes was very, very telling. But the fact that it felt to me like the team didn't have the bravery or the character on the night to kind of step up and say that they can kind of stand up to city and, and kind of fix some of the problems that happen in real time. And then it felt like as the game was dragging on, 
nothing was really changing. Like, um, we'll go into like the tactical stuff more, more a bit later, but like made a few changes, like probably like what, around the 20th minute, but it just felt like any enthusiasm we had was sapped of us in the early goings. And you have to show a special personality and a special type of fight in games like this to be able to, to come back from that. And we didn't show it. One of the telling things, I guess we can kind of start to transition and talk about the tactics and, and kind of where Arsenal were beaten on the pitch. After the match, the, a lot of the City players were talking about how they were targeting that space in between Party and Xhaka and knew that there was going to be a lot of space there because we rely so heavily on Thomas Party being on that island and covering so much ground. And I think that this match kind of exposed, A, you know, just how much we ask of him. And I think you know, he was poor, but it also did look like he, at, at times he, he was you know, trying to mark three, four of guys and he was, you know, players were running past him. And it was like, there's only so much that he can do in that moment. Yes, he was really bad on the night. He's arguably our worst player, but the situation around him, I think even if he was playing really, really well, they still would have had a lot of joy because we, you know, Grand Jacques was you know, completely vacating that space. Martin Odegaard obviously, you know, was doing what he does. When it works, it really works because we have so many men forward, but they were just able to so easily win that second ball. We weren't winning our duels. You know, they utilized Erling Holland's physicality. Obviously, for multiple goals, they just, you know, hit it long. It obviously, it's not the traditional long ball. It's more, you know, chipping it up to him and, and then running off of him and, Maybe we weren't expecting them to play that way, but it, it was a little bit emblematic of what they did in the first game against us. They did utilize a lot more. They obviously didn't sit back as much in this game because they're at home and, and they were way more, uh, pre they, they pressed a lot harder in this game, but they did. Anytime we got the ball forward, it was kind of like, yeah, sure, you can have a little bit of the ball, but we're just going to completely screw you over because we have this beast at center forward. And then we have this other beast in, uh, De Bruyne, who's basically playing as a second striker and just completely running off of him. And it, it did seem like, yeah, and it, it all started, I think, from the back, but midfield really as well. Um, ben, do you have any thoughts on, on kind of that? And I guess we'll, it's obviously all in, in retrospect, and it's easy to say, oh, we should have done this. We should have pulled Granite Jacket to more of a double pivot. But yeah, do you have any thoughts on kind of that? Yeah, I think I think you're spot on um, with regards to Arsenal seemed to set up as if they were going to press a back three like City have been playing and like City played when they played us in the reverse fixture when Bernardo Silva played that weird inverted left-back role. Um, but obviously City then played a back four and that threw them and there was that massive gap in midfield and I was looking at it and sort of looking at the options on Arsenal's bench and I'm not sure how you would problem solve that without the versatile options that we have like Tommy Astor especially I think was a massive miss as well as Saliba you know both of them being out was massive it just felt like do you bring in Jorginho there who is no more likely to win duels and isn't the most athletic midfielder and then play him in a double pivot with party um then you're going to lose out somewhere else on the pitch do you move party to right back and play Jorginho alongside Jacka? Um, and then again, you lose out somewhere else on the pitch. It did feel like every problem, every solution that came up, there was a added problem, whether we were going to, you know, play a back three and then seed control to Manchester city and see if they could break down, you know, a low block or a mid block and then spring on the counter attack. 
it just felt like every felt like Arsenal didn't have the tools to cope with the tactical flexibility of Manchester City last night. And, you know, that's in no way necessarily like a criticism because we're so early into this project. You know, we're bringing on Enketia, Smith-Rowe, Nelson, um, whereas City are bringing on, you know, Foden, Alvarez, Mares. The the golfing class on the, on the pitch and on the substitutes bench was, or not class move, but in terms of pedigree, was enormous. And it felt like Arsenal d- didn't have the tools. You know, we didn't have a Kaiseya, uh, we didn't have a Rice in midfield. You know, you can't have the sort of athleticism across the team that was needed to deal with that sort of tactical switch. And that's something that will probably come. You know, I'm confident that that will come. But it was said a lot, I think, that after the game, De Bruyne uh, De Bruyne and Stones, I think, said we basically couldn't play through Arsenal. We knew we couldn't play through them because in the first game between us, like they were, like they kept getting caught in there trying to play out from the back. Our press was really good, and our press was really good again last night. Like if that was what was happening, it was just that we vacated that massive space, and they thrived off that because they tweaked it slightly and made it so that they used that space to the best of their ability. And we couldn't match it when it was the individual battles because we left it two on two at the back, like we have for most of the season. For most of the season, you know, we've um, been a lot tighter and we haven't been playing Man City. So they had to get it perfect. And a lot of the time they did. And, you know, we were undone by that. But I don't think it's like a... I, I see it. We were beaten by a better team that had better players and more tactical flexibility. But I don't see it as like a... Arsenal were found out or schooled or whatever. I think it's just something that we have to build on in the summer, get more suitable players for our system and more tactical flexibility. And then, you know, we'll be there because, as as they said, our press is world-class and we definitely have the players that can hurt any side. Yeah, I think going back to last season... At the end of the season, I think we you know we entered the summer saying our starting eleven is good enough to make you know, the Champions League, but our squad is not. We're leaving this season, I think, saying our starting eleven is good enough to win the title, but our squad is not. There, there's a direct improvement there because you know we, we're slowly bringing in our squad and obviously in players to improve the floor of our squad, and obviously, it, you know we're all sitting here saying we didn't expect to be in this situation. And, and there's a reason for that when you're relying on players like Rob holding to potentially, you know, we didn't envision that he was going to play a big factor and he wasn't until he had to. And, you know, injuries, absences, suspensions, whatever it may be, that's just part of football that, that happens in this match, you know, Manchester city where they're without probably one of their best players in Ake, but they were able to, you know, they had the bench and they had the squad to be able to eat. You know, it was as if he, they didn't ever have him in, you know, we're never going to reach levels of Manchester City in terms of squad depth. But I think one development that Manchester City, and I guess it's kind of emblematic of a lot of the teams that Arsenal have struggled with, is teams that are able to play over our press. We, we obviously have a very, very effective press. And when we kind of completely dominate teams, it's because they don't have the ability to, you know, they don't have that hold up striker. I'm thinking of, you know, Brentford and Ivan Tony specifically. And even Villa and Ollie Watkins, players who they they have that outlet and Manchester City have that, but it's just the ultimate freak of an Erling Holland who not only is obviously incredibly strong and physical, he's also one of the fastest players and the most technically gifted players in the Premier League. And so 
there there is an element of like what do you do against that but you know speak you know coming from an arsenal perspective i i do think there's a reason that there's been a lot of talk and rumors that we're looking for you know this a big body striker because you know in this match i i love gabriel jesus i i thought he was pretty poor in this match but i also thought that what we needed was a similar outball because we were just getting completely pinned back we couldn't play through them because we were getting run through midfield and we had no option like they did to just chip it forward 30 yards and kind of even if we don't win the ball like alleviate a little bit of pressure switch up the you know the where the, where the ball is and kind of switch the field of play a little bit and yeah we didn't we didn't have that option uh Luke I want to start talking about uh some of the players specifically and I do think we need to talk about Rob Holding and obviously I think it, it it's not right to go completely two-footed on in on him because like everybody says it's not exclusively his fault but I do think it's fair to say that he did not do anything correctly in this match. It seemed like any time he dropped off, it was the wrong time to drop off. Anytime he pressed forward, wrong time to press forward. Anytime he pressed forward, he didn't do it right. It, and it kind of just felt like, I guess, let, let's first talk about that. And second, I would like, you know, kind of talk about what it means that he was not subbed off at halftime because I thought arguably he could have been subbed off after half an hour and it would have been, Obviously, really unfortunate for him, really embarrassing for him, but it kind of just like needed to happen. I thought so. Yeah, let's hear. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe I did go a little bit two footed in on him, but oh well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I give him. Obviously, he scored a goal. Um, More goals than a, I was going to say. Like so we, we get a joke from that. So I give him. I, I take his match rating up to like a one or a two from that. That, that um, wink. Which, yeah, it's not great <laughs> to be honest. It's it's hard, isn't it? Because the last thing you want is for a player that has a history at the club and has done good things at the club in the past, you don't want it to become like a witch hunt. But I do think that the opinion over over Rob Holding just it, it gets very, very morphed and on both sides where he's not the only guilty party here. Do you know what I mean? Like he was really, really poor. I think he was the worst player on the pitch. Some people probably disagree with me. I think he's the worst player on the pitch, but party was really really poor um Xhaka didn't look at it could be a fitness thing like like party looks like he like he's really struggling just to kind of cover ground the third goal it was shocking yeah. It was yeah exactly that um and then just, as you said I agree with you I think Gabriel Jesus was really really poor Martin Odegaard gave the ball away that led to a goal so like there's a lot of guilty parties but I think the the main difference that I find with a lot of these players and and holding is just that for the, the heavy majority of the season, most of these players have been playing at a very, very good level. Like These are the players that have got us to where we are now. The problem I have with the opinion over Rob Holding's recent performances is that holding in this team, playing the way we play, at his ceiling, isn't enough. So where you can say Odegaard was quite poor last night, generally, but he's been really good over the majority of the season. Party's been good for the majority of the season. Gabby Jesus has been good for the majority of the season. This is Rob Holding's ceiling. He can't cover grounds. He's not particularly good on the ball. That is just the, the facts of the matter. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not his fault that he's not good enough, and it's not his fault that the team has evolved beyond him. And I don't think it's necessarily the club's fault that we've had a freak injury to Saliba and a freak injury to Tomiyasu, which has kind of scuffled any real rotation options that we've got 
for us not to rely on him without being fairly experimental. So obviously, you know, it is what it is. But I do think that sometimes you have to call an apple an apple and just say he was bad. And I think that there are some people that go way overboard to say that he is everything wrong with the team, which is not true. And I think that on the other side, there are people that almost kind of mollycoddle him a bit by saying, we don't, we know he's not good. So why are we having a go at him? But I don't think it's, you know, he's, he's in a team. He's still responsible. He still needs to be judged to the same level as other people. And I think that that is kind of the, the, the where we are right now is that we saw a debut for this game in the FA Cup game where Haaland gave Holden a terrible 45 minutes for the same reasons he gave him a bad 45 minutes uh, yesterday in the fact that Holden got too tight to him. He pinned Holden. He'd shrug him off, turn him, run past him, play off him. It was all the same ingredients to the soup and we drank the same soup. Do you know what I mean? This is, it's just... We can't call ourselves um, hard done by when we've we've literally gone to the same restaurant and ordered the same thing. It just it, it feels to me that um, again hindsight is twenty twenty. But I did feel like before the game, even then, we had to try something. And you know, for all I know, we maybe we try something else and we and and we get beat even more. Do you know I mean to be fair, Ramsdale was probably the the big stock rise and player of the day because if not for him then maybe it's five maybe it's six maybe it's seven um but i just think that where we act right now when you're playing at the top of the league and the expectations go very much from arsenal trying to get top four to arsenal battling manchester city for the premier league title uh the expectations do change and whilst i don't want to say that everything is Rob Hines' fault. It's not, that's not true at all. I think Thomas Party was very close to being as bad as him on the night. And um, uh, and when your kind of two players in your spine are that bad, you know, I think that you can kind of see the tsunami coming um, uh, over the, the horizon. So whilst I do think that he's not the only guilty party, I do think that we have to, you know, at some point down the line just say, it wasn't right that he started the game. It wasn't right that he didn't come off in the game, in my opinion. And and if he starts next week, then I'll agree with that as well. But I disagree with that as well. But, you know, I do think that we're just we're in a bad position where we've had some freak injuries. Um, and maybe that is the thing that's ended our title challenge. But it's not 100% over. I still have that kind of little kind of glimmer inside my, my uh, football supporting soul. Don't, I was, don't, don't do it to yourself. <laughs> Eight games in May for City. Let's go. Come on. Um, no, we, we, we have to wait and see. All, all that we have to do now is make sure that we do ourselves justice by showing people that we can get back to the level that we previously played at um, in the last bit of the season. And if it ends up not being enough, which it most, 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 most likely won't be, then fair enough. We've come a long way. Um, the, probably the biggest shame is that, as you said in the intro, we call a whole of Champions League, which is the main thing we wanted to do this season. And it feels like we can't even enjoy it, which is just a shame. Yeah, I think sometimes you know, what the opposition does tactically wise kind of reveals where your strengths and weaknesses are. And Rob Holding had 89 touches in this match and Martinelli had 11. And, you know, pre-match, we kind of talked about how, well, you know, Obviously, they played a back four, and we were expecting a back three and stuff. But even in, in back four, you know, 
I expected Bukayo Saka and, and Rob Holding, if we were going to create anything and you know have much threat, it was going to come from them, like it has all season. City obviously recognized that, and they did a lot to neutralize that. And they kind of were, like most teams have been, very okay to have Rob Holding be on the ball. There's anytime he was on the ball, they were basically just like not pressing him. They were saying, you know, run with the ball if you'd like. Do what you would like with the ball because you're not going to hurt us. And yeah, you know, I think, yeah, just the opposition kind of tells you where, you know, who your good players are and who your bad players are. And it was pretty evident that when we had the ball, Rob Holding is our bad player. Let him have it. When they had the ball, Rob Holding is the bad player. Let's stick the freak athletes on him and say, you can't hang. Sorry, fella. You know, you can't hang. And yeah. And I guess going back to kind of what you said, Luke, in terms of, I, I still do think that Thomas party was our worst players kind of based on expectations. I kind of thought that Rob holding was going to have a stinker. So I wasn't surprised. I was kind of surprised at how bad it was, but Thomas party is, should be one of our best players in the, you know, how bad he was, was, was kind of pretty shocking. And kind of referenced that third goal where it looked like he was hurt, but it, maybe it was just, he was kind of jogging back. And if he wasn't hurt and he just kind of gave up, then, you know, excuse me here, but fuck off. Like that's, that's pretty shitty. If you're just gonna you know, kind of give up on that, on that play there and kind of uh, pull a Mustafi and point around at the, at the defense while the players running, your man is running past you. So yeah, that, that really just uh, annoyed me that third goal, how that all transpired again. Maybe he was injured, and then you know, fair fucks, and I'm the I'm the asshole. But there's the potential that maybe Thomas Party just kind of gave up, and that's uh, very disappointing. Ben, let's talk a little bit about the substitutes because I thought, yeah, you know, yes, most of our players were pretty terrible, but apart other than Ramsdale, I thought uh, Trissard was you know, had a pretty decent showing. Yes, it wasn't long, or you know, it wasn't crazy impactful you know he wasn't the incredible difference maker that you know a lot of subs ask are but I really thought that especially considering how poor Gabriel Jesus was that I think he definitely made his case and has made his case to start the next game you know kind of get a run of games to start from the onset what did you just think of that his substitute also the fact that when he came on Gabriel Jesus went out wide and he played in the in the middle you know, like, like, what do you, I guess, think about that little development that we haven't necessarily seen yet? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of um, pre-match stuff was about where the Trossard should start. Um, I mean, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. Gabriel Jesus hardly touched the ball in the first half. So, I mean, Trossard playing, Gabriel Jesus playing wouldn't have changed the fact that we couldn't get the ball out of our back four. So, you know, that one was really a non-starter. But I think... Our, our, we switched ta- slightly tactically in the second half, and that made us a bit better. And you know, Man City probably took their foot off the gas a little bit without you know they'll never come out and say, "Oh, we took our foot off the gas," but it felt like they did a bit. So it made the likes of Trossard, and also I thought Reese Nelson had a really good cameo when he came on. He's doing more to cement his new contract. You know, even if it's just for a year, he does. He's very good at. I don't know, he's he's sort of a bit like Jack Grealish for me. Like, he doesn't make a bad decision with the ball, which is really... He's not necessarily the most penetrative player in the same way that Grealish is, but he doesn't make bad decisions. He keeps the ball circulating really well. So he's a really useful option to have, but he may never be the world-class talent that maybe he wants to be or the first-team 
star that he wants to be at Arsenal. He might be somewhere else, yeah, um, mid-table side maybe, but at Arsenal maybe he's still always a tempo controller rather than maybe the Gabriel Martinelli sort of style we want, or he wants to be. I don't know. I thought that Trossard and Reese Nelson were both bright. I thought Smith Rowe was really disappointing. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but coming on for half an hour, I know we're 3-1 down or 3-0 down against Man City. I know it's your first minutes in a long time, but it just sort of felt like he was sluggish, maybe. He didn't feel like he wanted to make the impression that maybe Nelson was desperate to make or that Trossard seemed to want to make. Uh, or even Nketiah, who came on. Um, yeah, I, we've been calling for Smith Rowe for a few weeks now. We've been saying, so what's his long-term future? What's his plan? You know, Is he in Arteta's plans? And you can sort of see why he hasn't been in the last couple of weeks, um, despite the results, because it just sort of... I don't know, maybe it was because he came on for Erdegaard and this, that, and the other. You know, There's excuses that can be made for him, but it did feel a bit like he was of those four the most disappointing change and the one that I had highest hopes for as well because it's always nice to see someone that's been out for a long time come back onto the pitch but I think as I say he was the most underwhelming but I think Reese Nelson and Trossard as you mentioned did their own chances of starting at, uh, on Tuesday and staying at the club longer term in Nelson's case uh, the world of good just by coming off the bench and being better than the um, anonymity that we'd had before Luke, as we start to kind of wrap things up here, what are your, I guess, like expectations and hopes for the last five games? Obviously, you mentioned that you still have a, a little bit of hope in this title, gotta... but assuming that it's dead, I guess, like what, what do you, I guess, what do you want to see from the rest of the season? I think it's just, I think we need to put ourselves in a position where we can respect what we've done this season. We don't want to end the season on, on a sour note where, you know, we've dropped mental arithmetic nine points out of the last four games and it would just be such a shame if we go through like the 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 next five games not really recapturing anything like the form that we've played for like two-thirds of the season maybe even three quarters of the season and you know it felt like we've passed so many tests that people said we weren't going to pass and we've kind of gone over so many hurdles that people said we weren't going to get over just for us to now get to this point where yeah probably you know we've we've mucked it up we've you know we've given them enough um uh, enough room to catch us and then when you know they got up close to us and we had to go to to their gaff they they um kind of consumed us and and we you know we have to make our peace with that we've got to look at ourselves with that and and see what was right and what was wrong what we can improve on next season but i don't think it should take away from what we've done this season and i think that it's in danger to to do partly that if we don't show a bit more fight and a bit more personality and maybe you know a bit more a bit more tactical notes in the in the next five games we have to show that the arsenal that people have seen over the last four or five games isn't what we are now we're a different team we're a good team and we've been the only team to push city this far and i think that if we don't kind of get back to a level that at least lets us end the season on a high then it'll be such a just a massive massive shame yeah, I definitely think that it's pretty evident that I I guess it's fair to say, in my opinion, that the pressure has kind of gotten to Arsenal in terms of our performances the last couple of matches. And definitely, you know, echoing what you say there, Luke, 
the season has been incredible. I said in the introduction that it you know reinvigorated a lot of Arsenal fans' love and I guess hopes for this team that not we wouldn't just be okay with finishing top four. We're we're trying and and have hopes to challenge for a Premier League title and got that first taste of what a title challenge is. And fans have that, players have that. Obviously, we're going to want that next year, and the expectations are going to be that next year. Now we're in this situation where I think. I just want to see us go and kind of play without pressure that we did play with you know, a lot of the joy that they play, you know, the team played with all throughout the season and, you know, the creativity and I guess like to put it maybe childishly, you know, just like look like they're having fun playing again. And we're going up against Chelsea. It'd be great to just absolutely batter them. You know, that is a big game. Avenge some demons at St. James park and kind of end the season. Like you say, on a high and, continue the momentum that you know the season has propelled Arsenal forward no doubt but we don't want it to all fall flat by having a really poor run of form at the end of the season and kind of losing all that momentum going into the summer and you know we want we want to start next season fast like we did and and I think that starts in how we end this season and I think it's really important for fans and for players that you know, we we, we kind of just go out there and just say, the, the, if I'm Mikel Arteta, that's what I'm telling the players. The pressure's not on. You know, we're not in this title challenge anymore. The title is dead. You know, we've we've done what we accomplished. Let's go have some fun and beat up on some teams that we should beat up on. And kind of go into the summer on a high note and see where the next phase of this project is. Move on to phase four of Mikel Arteta's five phases of development. I think that's a, a good place for us to wrap things up. Before, uh, before we go, Justin, this, uh, can I just like say oh, yeah. like one thing, right? The Obviously, 3 nil down at points last night to see, and the only fans you could hear were the Arsenal fans. I just want to like, oh, I, I just feel yeah. like you have to kind of, we have to kind of say something about what other fans would do that. Do you know what I mean? Like you're 3-0 you're down, you're 4-1 down to to a team with, uh, and a performance that I'm sure like if you ask any of those Arsenal players other than, you know, perhaps Ramsdale or something like that, that whether it was good enough, they say it wasn't good enough. And especially after the loss in form over the last few days, it'd be so easy, not not for fans to give abuse, but it'd be so easy for fans just to detach a little bit. Like sometimes we have to do that for our own, our own, like our own selves. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like football isn't the be or an end all, but sometimes it, it can give you a, a punch to the gut. Do you know what I mean? And, and as that game was trickling out, those fans were singing their hearts out still. Like it's, it's, it's such an incredible um, thing to kind of witness. Like, like I could only hear it through the TV, but it was just, it was just it, like, it's awesome. Isn't it? Like, I just think that um, uh, for everything that may or may not happen this season, the fact that we can be in this position and still out sing the, the champions of England that may now go on to win a treble is something that's pretty special. Hey, hey. Yeah, I definitely think, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up um, because it was definitely evident yesterday. I was thinking about that and it's obviously representative of how I guess United are more united. The fan base is now in kind of like I I was saying, you know, it just seems like everybody is, even though we knew we were losing Arsenal are on the up Arsenal's season and future is, you know, we're not sitting here like Spurs or Chelsea where you have no idea where you're going, you're losing seven nil, seven one, firing your seventh manager of the season. Like, there's a lot to 
we we I guess we're playing with house money to be in this situation. And yeah, the away fans were were fantastic. So you know, thank thank you for bringing that up. Now I think it is a good time for us to uh, wrap things up here. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed it. It obviously was a little bit uh, depressing and sad, but you know, I think it is very cathartic to talk and, and kind of talk through the emotions, and the highs and the lows, and the more lows of last night and kind of how things unfolded. My name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at jfishafc. You can find Luke on Twitter at echocoon and Ben on Twitter at benbrowning3. We'll catch you guys in a couple of days to preview Chelsea. Odegaard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! Bukayo Saka beaten out by the roost, untouched in by Jesus! Bukayo Saka! Oh,